0: Hi everyone, welcome to Better Together, an As We podcast. For future reference, ASWE, As We, as an A S W E, stands for the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor and Essex County. This podcast will feature engaging conversations with guests ranging from community leaders to care partners and persons living with dementia to raise awareness about this disease. You're listening to Better Together and as we podcast, and this is episode 22. My name is Cindy and I'm joined today by Hannah DeCac. Hannah is working towards a PhD in aging, health and well-being through the Department of Kinesiology age, health, and well-being. She is a registered dietitian working in long-term care and has experience working as a nutrition manager in LTC facilities. Thank you so much, Hannah, for being here with me today.
1: Thank you, Cindy, for inviting me.
0: So I only explained a little bit about your, um, what you're doing right now um, in your life. Um, I see that you are a part of, I think, three research teams, right?
1: Yes, so... I'm currently working um, on two main projects on top of my thesis project. So we're working with, um, I'm working with SCREEN, which is basically um, seniors in the community and risk evaluation for eating and nutrition. And this project basically focuses on the nutritional health of those who are living in the community. Specifically, we're working on designing a tool that will help determine the nutrition risk of those uh, who are living in the community. Uh, and then another project is called Direct, which is Dining in Residential Care. Um, and we're a team that basically helps uh, do research in the institutions like uh, retirement homes or long-term care homes, and making sure that we are providing um, the research and the recommendations needed to improve their mealtime and, um, their nutrition, given that these uh, individuals are at high risk of developing um, adverse health outcomes like malnutrition. The third project that I think you see in there is Dream, yes. which is basically me helping create, um, and I help them create the uh, some other nutrition-related resources, um, and it's basically dementia uh, resources for eating and eating activity and meaningful inclusion. And um, this is basically like a program that's designed for people who are living with dementia or anyone that's involved in their care, whether it's their caregiver or people who are server providers or they're interacting with people living with dementia one way or another, uh, providing them with some recommendations that will help help improve their eating, help facilitate some physical activity, and also um, integrate them into the communities despite having... Um, some challenges. We're focusing more on their abilities rather than what they're unable to do basically.
0: Mm-hmm. And and on top of all
1: that, you're also doing your PhD. <laughs> yes, I'm working on my dissertation which is basically um, looking at dysphagia and eating challenges amongst those who are living in the community, specifically older adults who are living with dysphagia, with mm-hmm. dementia.
0: How do you have time for all of this?
1: <laughs> I think I have the passion and the drive and that's where how I have to, uh, we make the time.
0: So besides all of the work that you're doing and the school work you're doing, um what can you tell us about a little bit about yourself that you also enjoy, you know, doing outside of your work in school?
1: I am a very family oriented person, uh, love spending time with my friends. I'm the eldest of six of six kids, so I have five siblings. Um, Live in a very busy household uh, proud older sister
0: I have six in my family too so that's really cool hearing oh, you say that yeah. um <laughs> how did you get into this field of specializing in dementia nutrition
1: so it's an interesting story um as part of so I did my uh, bachelor's at Western University uh, in foods and nutrition and that's when I decided to pursue a career in dietetics and do my master's and it's an internship uh stream masters where we need to do on top of the courses we need to do internship for us to meet all the competencies to become registered dietitians and as part of our my placements one of them was in long-term care homes and I'm like oh like I've never been in a long-term care home I wonder how my experience is going to be like I don't know I don't know about working in the long-term care home I don't know how I'm going to take it And I go into my placement and I fell in love, like just interacting with the older adults and seeing them daily, like just having that relationship with them um, was like, okay, well, this is the place to be where you're fulfilled. I think it fulfills the side where I can have a rapport and maintain a relationship with the residents, but can also practice in the area that I enjoy. But then I, as I went into practice, and I think I practiced for two years before I decided to pursue my PhD, I'm like, okay, well, there are certain aspects of care that could be improved, but I don't know how to improve them from the current state that I am in, especially in the position where registered dietitians have very, very limited times in the homes. Um, and they have various duties that they probably cannot engage in anymore, just because of their limited time and funding. I'm like, I need to go into research. Maybe that will help me improve the care of those who are um, living in in long-term care. But uh, then recognizing the need of research in the community and how this area is also not very well researched. And a lot of people who are living in the community do not really, um, we need to hear their voices basically. And I think that's where I decided. Okay, my dissertation is going to be focusing in this population, but outside of in, in a home where um, they're they don't have the support of a team or uh, a nursing team that can basically support their care needs uh, on the daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how do you go about that? Like, you you weren't you don't get to choose
1: where you're placed. Um, for- um, as part of my internship, no, because we have to put, um, we basically have to do multiple rotations. So one like, we had to do hospital, we have to do community, we have to do food service, and we have to do long-term care. So mm-hmm. they're all, in, so you make sure that you're getting all of the competencies and the skills needed that once you graduate the program, you can work in various um, sectors
0: hmm So before this, you had no idea what LTC was about? No
1: idea. No idea. And especially where I'm from, we don't really, I, I'm from the Middle East. So we really don't have a lot of long-term care homes. So I wasn't sure about the aspect. I wasn't sure what really it entails. I've never been in a long-term care myself. I know what they are and what services they provide. But I've never interacted with someone who was there. I don't have anybody personally that lives there. So it was really like an eye-opening experience for me. It's like, okay, well, this is how it is.
0: What stood out to you the most while you were in LTC junior placement? What stood out
1: to me the most? And this is probably why I decided to go into uh, the field of research. That sometimes, although staff try their best to meet their needs and everything, it's just that you can't help it but think that more work is needed to improve the quality of life of those who are living in a long-term care setting, especially that they don't have per se uh, a lot of control about the conditions that they're living in. Mm -hmm. Um, And despite engaging in things like person-centered care or hearing them, making sure they're involved in the care team, there's always um, more work to be done to improve the quality of life of those who are, are living in long-term care centers.
0: I'm really happy you're in this field, <laughs> really happy. Um, what are some common challenges you know people face um, around eating that have, or that are diagnosed with dementia?
1: So people who are diagnosed with dementia, The experiences of every person is different and there are like a range of eating challenges and issues that people can um, face. Um, And it's really multifactorial. So it it really can tap into multiple factors like the social aspect of eating, like the cognitive impact on eating, the physical aspect of eating. So it's all multifactorial. But one of the most common things that we see um, is that like chewing issues? Um, we see fear of choking, coughing at meals, uh, difficulty initiating a swallow, um, known as dysphagia, or sw- difficulty swallowing is known as dysphagia, difficulty uh, using utensils, inability to recognize that this is a meal time or uh, difficulty maintaining attention at meals or engaging in different activities during mealtimes, positioning issues, forgetting to eat or uh, forgetting that you ate already and eating too much, um, always feeling hungry, choosing only a few foods to eat. So there is a lot and a lot of um, issues that can contribute to adverse health outcomes when it comes to their nutritional health.
0: Everyone who is diagnosed with dementia, their experience is different from the next person. So I don't want, you know, care partners that are listening to this to think, you know, if
1: one person is doing something to do the next thing. Exactly. But like, it doesn't mean that if your experience is going to be the same as the experience of someone else who is living with dementia, every um, person is different when it comes to their abilities when it comes to the conditions they're living in, the care that they need. Um, also, types of dementia play a role into what what skills you're going to maintain versus what skills you're going to need to help with uh, doing in the activities. But in general, people who are living with dementia need to help and support with the activities of daily living and eating and, and maintaining nutrition is one-on-one.
0: Mm-hmm. What tips do you have for care partners, you know, for, um for helping the person that's living with dementia while they're eating
1: eating can be a stressful part for people for people who are caring for people who are living with dementia and their caregivers especially that it's a natural tendency to want to give and feed um, as as much as we can because that's how we care for them and it can be a source of stress for caregivers because it's like, oh my God, they're not eating, they're not eating. But know that there are supports out there that can help and seek help from your health provider or allied health professionals, like seeking a help of a dietitian or a speech language pathologist that can help with these issues. And make sure that they're giving you person specific or person centered interventions or solution that will work for your case specifically like again like I said because the issues are different from one person to another the solutions are also going to be different from one person to another so understanding and eating and mealtimes is multifactorial so there's a lot of factors that play a role into this activity so I think seeking help from a, a health professional will help assess all of the factors and look at the um the approach holistically for them to be able to give them um, the interventions they need. Additionally, there are available resources created for to support caregivers and persons living with dementia in the community. So there are resources that are available through our screen uh, screen website where Dr. Heather Keller and her team created um, multiple resources for her um, for people who are living in the community, older adults and, and includes issues related to maintain uh, being able to consume enough, um, uh, enough food or making sure that you're able to manage some of these issues like swallowing or chewing issues and how you can manage them to the best of your ability. Um, other place that they could find resources is also through the DREAM website, the Dementia Resources for Eating um, Activity and Meaningful Inclusions. And um, Dr. Heather Keller and Laura Middleton and their team, um, I was one of the dietitians that were also on their team and we created um, tools uh, or resources for persons living with dementia. And actually we had people living with dementia as part of our team. We had people who are caregivers for people living with dementia as part of our team, making sure that we're including them when we are designing these resources. To meet their needs so these resources can be a wealth of knowledge for these who are, are looking for uh, advice on how to care for persons living with dementia they actually also like one of the resources we created also like includes um, the problems that some of people some people might have in terms of eating and how you can go about it and and possible interventions you can try at home to make sure that the mealtime is not a stressful activity for both the caregiver and uh, the person who's living with dementia. So screen is a tool that helps with the nutrition screening. And this tool was created a long time ago by Dr. Heather Keller, and it's been tested for validity in persons who are living in the community,
0: mm-hmm.
1: older adults who are living in the community. So tool validity means that like you're testing the tool that it's it's really testing what it's supposed to test and it's proving effectiveness in serving its, tool, its purpose. Mm-hmm. So, when you are actually taking it to people who are living in the community, once the population changes, you actually have to test it for validity again. So, part of the work that Dr. Heather Keller is now doing is making sure that screen is um, able to um, is able to assess those who are living in retirement settings because retirement settings are different from a community setting. Um, And then the second part of work as well that she's working on right now is um, making sure that screen is validated for those who are living in the community, but specifically with dementia. Because when you change a characteristic of those individuals that it's been tested on, now it's not valid anymore. So you need to validate it again to make sure that it's really testing accurately what it's supposed to be testing. Mm With long-term care settings, it's different here on Ontario, in Ontario specifically, especially because we have designated dietitian time. So she's typically the one that completes all the nutrition screening. She has the expertise and the knowledge to do that. Screen is more of a tool that helps dietitians and other people as well in like to complete it without really prior expertise. Um, specifically in nutrition that could be completed by anybody and then it gives you at the end if they're at high risk um, if they're at risk of um, malnutrition basically to seek further help so nutrition screening is the first part of um, the nutrition care but it has to be followed also by nutrition assessment where a dietitian has to be um Has to be involved in following up with all of the different aspects to carry a more comprehensive um, assessment, assessing everything really going on. It's a very comprehensive process to be able to give them the interventions they need at the end to improve their health. But I think right now, a lot of them, especially a lot of people, older adults specifically who are living in the community, they're just, I think, um, they're having. Less chance of being uh, assessed for a nutrition screening and likely to be um, missed in the process um, because they're not being followed really regularly, like in a long term care per se, where there is a care team involved in your care 24 7. Uh, that's why it is important to start at least with the screening and that's why we as dietitians are trying to push for anybody to do the screening so that we prevent issues like malnutrition and malnutrition can have like various negative health outcomes that could be avoided with proper nutrition like high risk of infections or inflammations prolonged hospital stays um, um, muscle weakness and loss of strength where they are um they feel weak. It also contributes to um, increased risk of morbidities and it could lead it to mortali- like an increased risk of mortality as well. So it is it contributes a lot to our health and poor wound healing. The benefits of conducting a screening um, process with older adults would be really beneficial, especially to those who are living in the communities so that we can at least prevent as much adverse health outcomes as possible.
0: And so right now you guys are looking for more people to screen or continuously looking?
1: Yes, we're actually actively recruiting people who are in the community. Um, So for those who are interested in in their care and if their caregivers are interested also in um, participating, uh, we're we're always looking for people who are in the community diagnosed with dementia or people who are just living in retirement homes in to conduct research with them and to help uh with the screen
0: okay good so it's good that you know we're putting it out there because our listeners can be yes
1: like, please we need people
0: <laughs> maybe wanting to, to be screened that's
1: good uh, um, and cindy what they get uh basically in in those studies um they get three visits uh we collect different information and at the end they meet with the dietitian, which is currently myself i go into the homes um their homes, uh, conducting an an assessment and kind of do a a counseling session at the end where I give them like recommendations and interventions basically based on uh, the information that they relate to me.
0: Okay and just to be clear they don't have to be living in long-term care or retirement they can be at home as well. They can can be at
1: home or in retirement in a retirement setting either or um, but we're not recruiting people who are living in long-term care homes. Okay,
0: and is it and if they're living in Windsor or Toronto, anywhere else besides London? Um,
1: so if we're actually recruiting from London, okay. um, Waterloo, Guelph, and Hamilton. But they can definitely give us a call, and we could, we will be able to redirect them.
0: Okay, perfect. Hopefully, yep. it, this will get out to them. Yes, hopefully. Um, can you elaborate more on dysphagia um, in the in the community living?
1: Yeah, so dysphagia is actually which is difficult, having difficulty swallowing, is actually very common in persons living with dementia, and it can affect um, up to 35% of those living with dementia in the community. However, we are suspecting that this number is lower than the actual prevalence because there is an issue of low diagnosis rates um, because people who are experiencing these issues might not be seeking actively medical attention to be diagnosed. Um, so and it actually impacts the quality of life of those impacted by it for quite a bit and it can be a stressful event um impacting even their social life because a lot of them like will will decide okay i'm not engaged i'm not gonna go out to eat or i'm not gonna go to a family dinner because i'm gonna sit there and cough or choke and that makes me uncomfortable makes people around me uncomfortable um so it it hinders the ability of of people to eat adequate amount of food, but also it, it impacts them beyond this in terms of impacting their overall health and quality of life and well being.
0: So you were talking about um person centered um care. Can you just touch base a little bit more on that?
1: Yes. So it's actually a philosophy of care that um is well known and now we're healthcare, healthcare in general, we're trying to push for it, where we're including the person who is um, diagnosed with dementia being the center of their care and giving them basically advice that's really tailored to them and only for them. Especially that, like we mentioned before, it's everything is multifactorial. I can't just give the same recommendation to everybody. Um, Also, their care needs and wants are can be different. So what you're hoping to get out of the care might be different than what other people want to be getting out of the care. So making sure that we're involving them and their caregivers, um, making sure that we are also aware of their needs, what they want, um, and basically going from there, what they appreciate the most and helping them um, in that aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. So the name of our podcast is Better Together. From your perspective, what does that mean to you?
1: Um, This is actually, um, mealtime is always great when it's better together. Uh, And actually, mealtime is better together. Mealtimes contribute to, um, especially when you're eating together, it contributes to meal enjoyment, preserves dignity, but also maintains persons for those living with dementia. Especially that with the interaction that that happens in at meal times between, whether it's the caregiver or whether it's um other people like friends or uh family, it really plays an important role in meal intake. And actually, the quality of the relationships that they have together also um uh, plays a role into how much the food food can be consumed by these individuals. Um, it goes way beyond just the meal intake, it's actually the activity that happens and how it helps maintain the relationship and how it helps um, for the person to express who they are through their identity and maintaining that. So I think at mealtime, especially for people who are living with dementia, just being aware of the challenges they're having, just making sure that we're integrating them um, in, and helping them in engage still in the activities they enjoy as much as possible, just me um, by giving them the interventions they need to ease the stress that ha- comes with mealtime, especially uh, for those living with dementia and their caregivers.
0: <laughs> that made me smile the whole time you were explaining um, your thought process on Better Together. Well, I think
1: a lot of us think of mealtimes as just like, how much food did they eat? Mm-hmm. We can't help it, but think just beyond, like, how much food did they eat? How much food are we putting in the plate? That, and it's just the role that it serves, it goes way beyond serving nutrition. It actually, it feeds into the soul and the quality of life of those. It's it's a, an activity that people, or especially older adults, are always looking out for, um, looking forward to it sorry it's part of their routine it's the time where they engage in activities if they, they express themselves through their culture or foods or uh through the things they enjoy it's an activity that they used to engage in all their life and it provides meaningful inclusion to them especially if if when they maintain it when they should
0: mm-hmm. we don't want you know um how the how much they ate to be um a negative factor with definitely meal times
1: definitely it is important but mealtime serves way beyond just the nutrition and how much they eat it it taps into their quality of life and actually the eat it you mentioned better together research shows that if you're eating together and there is a positive relationship like there is a positive relationship amongst those who are eating together, you're likely to eat more and there is better intake. So it's a well-rounded, I think, benefit where it's like, it's a reciprocal where you're maintaining the relationship, but you're also helping them eat more. Um, You're helping them maintain their nutrition. So I think just emphasizing the importance of mealtime in general, beyond um, just how much is eaten, is very important, especially for people who are living in dementia. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly.
1: (laughs) But on the flip side as well, social isolation, Mm -hmm. especially, for example, after the the couple years where we had COVID going on and happening, we saw that social isolation is linked to low, low food intake and people were just not eating as much because there were just that mealtime activity was not happening. And it was just the act of serving the food. Like just, this is what we're eating and, and that's it. So the enjoyment part of it was gone. And, and it, so that's where it's, the emphasis is more like it is better together Mm -hmm. or better if we eat together.
0: I just think about yeah like families that had a routine where they you know it didn't matter what was going on every Sunday we had Sunday dinner or whatever it was and you couldn't do that during COVID so
1: and and you can imagine the the impact it had on their quality of life or how they felt about it and and how it really impacted them
0: Mm wow wow Thank you so much, Hannah, for taking the time out of your already busy schedule to do the podcast with me. I would love for us to finish this podcast with some rapid fire questions. These five questions are all random um, and it will allow our audience to get to know a little bit more about yourself. Uh, It's only one question, uh, sorry, one word or one uh, sentence. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Um, If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with that extra time?
1: Spend time with family.
0: If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? No, berries. Ooh, what is there a specific kind of berries? I like uh,
1: raspberries.
0: Raspberries. What would your perfect Sunday look like?
1: Oh, um, uh, making a meal, uh, cooking a meal for my family and gathering around the dinner table and having a, um. In- interesting more like conversation than just having a cozy night I think mm-hmm. with her. what
0: could you what could you give a 40 minute presentation on with absolutely no
1: preparation eating eating well uh amongst older adults
0: perfect and what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you
1: Focus on the small progress and and that will help you achieve bigger goals.
0: Thank you so much, Hannah. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. I hope our listeners have learned a few new things about nutrition and dementia. Hey, listeners, my call to action for all of you. How can you help? Educate yourself and encourage others to do the same. Refer your circle of friends and family to our services. Support our events and fundraising campaigns and become a dementia-friendly community. Listen to new episodes on the last Friday of every month on our YouTube channel, Alzheimer Windsor. And our podcast is also available on Spotify and Amazon Music. Um, help for today, hope for tomorrow. And remember, we are better together. Thank you so much, Anna.
1: Thank you, Cindy, for having me.